When you're getting back into your busy fall routine but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready-to-cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022. to this week's Grab A Cup of Podcast. My name is Kat Wright and I'm your host and I have a great guest with us this week. Uh, we have got Aidy Trevelyan aka Dr Porridge from Lost in Porridge series that airs on Primordial Radio, a radio station online that I spoke to you guys about. So uh, in this week's episode we talk about mental health, we talk about autism but we also talk about how Dr. Porridge was created to help the steampunk community. So before I play you this chat, I would like to uh, provide you with a trigger warning. Uh, We go quite heavily on uh, suicidal ideation. So if anything that we speak about if you feel like it might trigger you please listen carefully or uh, just skip this episode for now uh, so whenever you're ready if you need any resources go to our website it's grabacuppa.co.uk forward slash resources so with no further ado this is grab a cuppa with ad trevelyan aka Dr. Cornelius Porridge. Well, Dr. Porridge. Hello. AKA, do you prefer AD or Adrian? Oh, AD. AD. Oh, my mother calls me Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. checking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I'm AD. Yeah. AD. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Many, many, many sorts of names have been used. Most of yeah. them are not broadcastable. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> ah, so here we are, the Grab a Cuppa, the Grab a Cuppa podcast. The Grab a Cuppa podcast. So we... I've got coffee, so I'm all, I'm all ready yes. to go. I should have changed it to grab a bucket because look at that beast. Oh wow, <laughs> that, that's a, that that's that's not a mug. That's a swimming pool for <laughs> ants. I need it. I need it. So this is a, a retro Batman like huge. Uh, cook. Yeah. Uh, I imagine sort of a spider getting into that and just sort of going, doing yeah, some backstroke. Yeah, it's like the uh, old style. Oh, it's the 19 sort of 60s yes. Silver Age Batman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, Very cool. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big geek. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, ta-da, behind me, I have my entire Fortient library. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, lots of geeky stuff. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I'm a Marvel fanboy, so yeah, like I'm. I think at the moment I'm getting a lot into my DC stuff because DC is a little bit more uh, darker than Marvel. 
especially uh, when Marvel's sort of like is being a little bit Disneyfied, if that makes sense. A little bit Disneyfied. Yeah. The mouse has taken over. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Everybody's done with Star Wars, isn't it? Dun, 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 dun. Oh. <laughs> I have no See, idea. I used doing. to love Star Wars growing up, but. I guess now I'm just, uh, I don't know. I think it's the same, like, it's the same thing, different planet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's always a sort of inherent bias towards Star Wars anyway. So for my age group, we were like, the originals are the best. <laughs> and then sort of my friend's age group might be, no, I like the first three. And I just go, Jar Jar Binks is evil. Why, why are you even there? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a new uh, a new generation of uh, kids going, oh, I love the new Star Wars, and it's all very nicey-nicey, hugging-a-mug stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> uh, Am I allowed I, to swear yeah. on this podcast? Of course. Oh, excellent. Jar Jar Binks is a big pile of shite. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes, mm. it's not a problem. Swear as much as you like. However, we try to avoid the uh, see you next Tuesday. Oh yeah, well I, I yeah. <laughs> Some I people get really anyway. offended by that. Yeah, well I'm I'm quite a sensible chap. Of as course. It so how are you? I'm good. I am very busy. <laughs> I've been very very busy lately, which is good. We've yeah. had um, very interesting guests so far, um, but more towards like the music industry rather than individuals oh, okay and um, which has been nice it's been really nice actually it's been a so dear listeners to... today is going to be very odd <laughs> it's what we like <laughs> well yeah being having all the musical talent of a dead badger so <laughs> i always say like if uh, you know if anyone wants me to join the band i'll bring my triangle uh or my kazoo Oh, oh, kazoo's are brilliant. There's a, there's a kazoo choir somewhere in steampunk that does loads of, like, they always do Jurassic Park for some reason. <laughs> you can, yeah. Da, 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 da. That would be so much fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I just wanted us to talk about, like, about you. Yeah. Eighty. Mm-hmm. The um, non-porridge part. Yeah, we'll concentrate on Eighty first, and then porridge comes along okay that's fine yeah. what would you like to know about what would i like it? to know well basically just like you know your you know where you're from and that sort of thing just basic stuff so the people can get to know you okay. a bit more so i will i shall start at the beginning <laughs> it was a dark and moonlit night somewhere yeah. an owl hooted <laughs> i was found by stalk behind the gooseberry bush and brought in by the fairy people. Um, no, um, I've had a pretty uninteresting life, to be honest. I say that, but I, I never really enjoyed school. I was a bit of the class clown, surprisingly. And um, I used to get bored. Um, and this was before I had my diagnosis of autism. Mm -hmm. So then I went to, I went to college, and I, I've I have many, many interests. I'm very much... Um, a jack of all trades, master of none. And it, it, that's quite a good way of living my life. Um, and then I got diagnosed, I suppose my life changed because I got diagnosed with, uh, back then it was known as Asperger's syndrome, but now it's, I think it's called high functioning autism. 
but I'd spent my life being quite lonely and, uh, and loneliness is a, probably a big part of my life because even if you're in a room with like a hundred people and you know them really well, I've never felt um, like I'm with people. So I'm very sort of nervous about uh, who I am and what I am. So I do tend to overcompensate <laughs> to try and fit in, but that generally means that people don't understand. So I'm a bit unique in the way that uh, I believe, but you know, I've studied philosophy and I've studied sociology and psychology and yeah. many different things like that. UFOlogy, because I like UFOs. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> uh, it's not a real ology. It, it's basically where a bunch of uh, people sit around and talk about lights in the sky. Um, and some people take it really, really seriously. And some people take it really, really... Not so seriously. <laughs> and I just go, ooh, look, a butterfly. And that's pretty much how I go. Um, I just, <laughs> I'm just interested in stuff. And I'm very interested in people. I love people. I don't understand people, but I love people because everyone I meet will teach me something I don't know. And humans behave in such a weird way in any sort of group situation or anything like that. And I say humans in a very sort of affectionate term. And one of the big struggles I've had through my life is I've never felt human. And it's a kind of difficult idea to express to people that you don't feel like you're part of an actual other species so i've existed in that yeah. sort of outside part hence why i've had mental health problems yeah i think so yeah i can relate to that actually like growing up i always felt like uh i didn't belong anywhere you know it was just like um i was part of I don't know. It's I never. I felt like I never fit anywhere because of my personality, and and I always felt like people didn't like me because I was different. And yeah. Yeah, because I was always a very emotional kid, and I would take everything so. Um, I would take it to heart, you know everything and anything and i am a literal thinker so i would take everything literally and oh i have some stories about literal yeah thinking. <laughs> <laughs> literal thinking and everything and then if um i don't know if my friend said something but they weren't they didn't mean it literally i would feel so bad like i didn't understand yeah yeah, yeah. i know that yeah, one yeah it's sort of like if my friend was like oh i'm gonna kill you sort of like you know jokingly i'd be like you're gonna kill me why why what have i done you know so um, I yeah felt it's not nice it's not nice and i really struggled with relationships you know uh platonic and otherwise um I yeah most of my life i struggled with relationships with people and i just always felt like it was my fault that yeah that because i was different it was always my fault. I don't know if you, you know, where you can relate to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, my first long-term relationship. I mean, I was probably a bit of a dick as well, but I'm still trying to find my way in a relationship. And, you know, when we, when we separated years ago, I mean, 20 odd years ago now, I was a very angry young man, but, um, as I've got older and mellowed, 
I sort of reflect on it and think, well, actually, yeah, it just wasn't compatible in the end and wish them all the best of luck. At Marshalls, our buyers hustle every day for the brands you love. Hello? They can calculate the quality to cost ratio simply by touch. Ooh, silk. They can hear the difference between an Italian suede handbag and an Italian leather one. But most importantly, they know a good deal when they hear one. That sounds like a good deal. We'll take them all. Visit Marshalls and take home more for your money. More brands, quality, trends. More of the good stuff. We get the deals, you get the good stuff. Marshalls. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the time, you can be, you can find yourself, uh, you're trying to fit into a society that is expecting certain aspects and you don't feel like you should fit into that. I'm always very much a dead fish go, you know, dead fish go with the flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm an otter. So I, just eat, <laughs> I like I that. Eat the fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's things like that. So I, I managed, I, I got very depressed about certain situations and I do to, I, I mean, I used to take things really literally. Can you imagine how funny it was when the first girl who turned out to me and said, Oh, I'm really horny. Mm. I was like, what are you a goat? Um, I didn't get it. and I, I mean, get, Do you know what? It sounds like, you know, when we're talking about this, now that we yeah. are older, it sounds a little bit like, oh my God, what was I thinking? But then it's like at the time, it was just like, uh, it was a real thing, a real issue, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, now it. I can check it a bit more. Mm-hmm. I go, hang on, do they mean it like that? And then I sort of scroll through everything in my head and it's like, ah, they meant that. I mean, one of my classic ones was someone asked me to put the dog out and I asked whether it was on fire. And I was about seven years old. And um, it was, I mean, I look back now, and there was lots of little, little clues. But I was very fortunate at school that I had some very strong friends. I had really good friends. So I had uh, the twins, um, Darren and James, were awesome. Uh, a lad called Dave Smith, and we were uh, and Ben Clapton, otherwise known as Eric Clapton, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, and we used to uh, we used to hang around. We were, we were sort of thick as th- thick as thieves. And they, I think, looking back now, I realise quite how much they protected me yeah. from stuff. And it was always a. Uh... And then when I got older, I mean, my best friend in the whole world, and I'll give him a shout out, is James, the Godfather of Soul Brown. And we, I think uh, it's legendary in certain circles of me and James. <laughs> Um, and our antics um but we are very sort of we're thick as thick as thieves i think but i've got you know i've got some i've got really good friends around me now and they do keep an eye out on me um you know i think the suicide attempt before christmas caused difficulties i think we we seem to resolve them all now i mean suicides uh, I, I quite openly talk about suicide um but i'm feeling better now now that I have certain things in my life, obviously I have my wife who's amazing. I love my wife very much. Uh, she puts up with me. I don't know how. <laughs> I, if it was me, I would have divorced me years ago. <laughs> you can't divorce yourself. <laughs> really? Because it's a, it's a philosophical concept that I'm working on. Um, <laughs> what did you do this morning? Oh, I argue with my own brain. Um, oh, I, I argue with my brain constantly. Yeah, and if you internalize a lot of internalize a lot of arguments, and you're cost, constantly treading on eggshells with yourself, yeah. it can be really difficult. Because I, you may have noticed, I have a sort of form of verbal diarrhea. 
where my internal mm. internal porridge just speaks out mm-hmm. with external lady and it's not everyone's cup of tea but i do try and be as honest as i can i mean it's scary that there are people in uh, primordial radio who called me the voice of reason i thought how bad is this world if you think i'm a voice of reason <laughs> maybe you are and you've not realized that because um, we are we are like uh well personally as well it's whenever someone pays me a compliment i'm like ah no yeah nah <laughs> i'm not that like what because i don't believe in myself you know and it's it sucks sometimes because um so many things that i've put off doing because i never believed in myself yeah yeah i know, I know where that is um mm. there's uh, something called imposter syndrome yes where you compare yourself to your peers mm-hmm. and think your peers are much better than you and without noticing that they're actually complimenting you as well um yeah. so i think we discussed this uh through private message a few uh, or online somewhere mm-hmm. a few weeks back and it is it, it's really tough and if you've got that constant doubt in the back of your head and you have what i hate is over positivity i'm sure oh you can do it nothing's impossible stuff like that and i always sit there and go there's loads of things that are impossible like drinking the pacific ocean through a straw is impossible so stop saying nothing's impossible you just have to be realistic about your goals and one of the things yeah. i've had to learn is be realistic (laughs) i get that absolutely and it's like when i always say i'd rather be surprised than disappointed because i'd rather sort of like oh that worked really well rather than like oh that didn't work you know what i mean and just yeah i know it sounds a little like negative but i'd rather be a realist than otherwise you a know. pragmatist yeah pragmatic approach to life is always yeah. a good one i mean it's okay to say oh yes i'm going off to hollywood to become a major star <laughs> um but the reality and the pragmatism is you've got to get there um i think there's a real problem in the arts in the uk mm. where i see some fantastic actors and actresses um on many shows and i sort of go wow they're really good and then I oh, Wikipedia them. I'm sure other people do this. And the mm-hmm. first thing it'll say is granddaughter of the first baronet of Normandy or something. And you're like, oh, right, okay then. Uh, so, and you, there's a bit of money in the arts to get to. So I know I had a, I had a friend at school uh, and he ended up at RADA and he was a superb actor. And he's, he, I think he was a struggling actor for a number of years, whereas his peers, who may have had a bit more, shall we say, influence, Mm -hmm. progressed. And I've always felt that's uh, distinctly unfair because there's some brilliantly talented people out there. I mean, I always say whenever I present a show that I'm I'm the the talent that puts the word talent into talentless. Because I don't think I'm a talented person. I, I think I'm an idiot who speaks up. And that's all my comedy background is, is just speaking up on things mm. and taboo subject. And for mm. some reason, people seem to like it and listen to it. So I go, okay, um, there's no craft in that. So I'm not a joke teller. I'm a story creator and, mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. Come yeah, so that's me. when, you know, Dr. Porridge was created. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, What's behind that then? How did how did that come about? Well, uh, I think I, I ought to break a myth here, actually, because I think everyone thinks that I created this character and then became a stand-up. I actually created Dr. Porridge to help a community. <laughs> so when I first joined the steampunk community mm-hmm. um, in the first year, I was introducing myself as AD and and there were loads of people online because we were quite it was quite big what eight years ago and loads of people online were saying oh I'd love to come and join in but I don't know anyone so I'm afraid of meeting people and I so I thought well there must be a solution to this so I created this character called Dr. Porridge and a lot of people think you have to have a, a surname in, or you have to have a name in steampunk. You don't. There's very few of us that actually have names. Um, and I said, well, I'll create, a, just as a joke, something called Dr. Porridge. And he's based on, the character is based on plucky British failures. Hmm. So <laughs> Captain Oates went outside, didn't come back, plucky British failure. Um and some sort of sharp characters. So I announced on the page, well, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know anyone there, just come in and ask for porridge. And so people would walk into the pub, go, can I, is porridge around? And then I'd go over, say hello, uh, ask them their names. And before they knew it, just announce to the pub in the loudest way I could think of, which is my very Brian Blessedy voice and say, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, please make them feel welcome. And that worked, and it, it was really good. It was really good. And then I sort of went, well, I'll create a, a page. And the first page I did, it was for my leather work. So I used to do leather work as a hobby, and it was to sell stuff. And I sort of created, I think it was called Dr. Porridge's Crafty Creations or something like that. And then I had a go doing some stand-up as Dr. Porridge. So I changed the page to Dr. Cornelius Porridge. Mm-hmm. And it just grew. It just grew and grew and grew and grew. And I was expecting like 100 people might follow it and I'd have been happy. And then suddenly it went to 500 and then 1,000. And yeah. then I think we're on like 1,750 now. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and it, it's just growing and growing. And, and I'm like, but I'm, all I'm doing is just saying satirical things about politics. I mean, I love politics. I know it's probably one of those things you should never talk about, but I think one of the problems in politics is no one ever talks about it. And you should, as long as you respect other people's opinions, that's fine. So I now use my platform to, I don't comment as much on steampunk anymore. I sort of comment on politics because I got to a stage where I was struggling with trying to be entertain people within boundaries of, I hate to use the term woke, Mm. but there is an element of that. You say one thing and you offend someone and then, and you've got to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. But then some people take offense on behalf of others. And that's my big pet hate. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I did a joke about autism, which I often do. And uh, someone said, Oh, but you don't know anything about autism. And I thought, well, that's a nice assumption. And I like my, I, the comedy, even if you listen to my Lost in Porridge show, mm-hmm. the joke is always on Porridge. Porridge is a naive idiot who thinks he's better than himself. Mm. So he thinks he knows everything. He thinks he knows how to deal with problems. And he always cocks up through a failure to understand the situation. 
which in a way is an extension of who I am, because being autistic, you tend mm-hmm. to cock up because you don't always understand the situation. So that's where porridge came from, to help a community. And then I just transferred it over to the metal community. And my Lord. They're... The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. They've been... uh, The current metal community of Primordial Radio is like the steampunk community that I first joined years ago. And I've sort of drifted away from the steampunk community because there's been a lot of infighting as any sort of movement occurs. Yeah. And there's loads and loads of thoroughly nice people in there. But I'm really wary now of, I'm an unintentional leader. And I hate to say that because it sounds arrogant. But for some reason, people listen to what I say and I try and stand up for a community rather than one person's ego, but then then people accuse me of being egotistical or arrogant. And they don't really know who I am because they just see the character of Porridge. So would you say that, well, there's Dr. Porridge, there's AD, two different people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Porridge is a character created for the, the sole purpose of sole purpose of entertainment but he has they do cross over i mean i respond to porridge in the pub now (laughs) or if if you're walking down the street i was walking down the street in where was it london first time i've been to london in ages and someone shouted porridge at me and i was like what and it was so you got recognized yeah (laughs) it's very it's very odd i signed my first autograph last year wow okay uh, um, Someone came up and said, oh, can you sign? We had these sort of passports. And I said, why do, why do you want, why, why, what do you mean you want an autograph? Oh, can you sign it? You're Dr. Porridge. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I signed it. And I felt, oh, blimey, that's, that's the weirdest feeling in the world. And even in such a small community as, say, Steampunk, with probably 10,000 in the world, mm. uh, or 10,000 in the UK, mm-hmm. it's nice to be recognised. But one of the things I had to learn quite quickly was you can't let it go to your head. Mm. And I did that for a little bit, if I'm honest. About six months, I became a bit more arrogant and a sort of, don't you know who I am? And (laughs) I performed in a big, I performed at uh, the Asylum Festival, Mm. created the Bishop of Squid. And I had to check myself. And it was my friends that said, no, you need to rein it in. Go back to what you were doing, which is, looking after the community you're not above the community and i think that was an important life lesson and it's done me the world of good i mean there's i'm sure there's people out there who would say well he's rubbish <laughs> he's talking rubbish but yeah i've you had can't to please learn. everyone that's the thing you can't please everyone it's now oh, before christmas yeah. when i had the uh, incident mm-hmm. um one of the big problems was porridge i didn't know what direction to take it mm-hmm. i didn't know whether I should just stick with steampunk or do what I wanted to do, which was mm-hmm. be satirical uh, and dig at politicians. And I have this view that you punch jump in comedy. You don't punch down. Mm. 
is just one of my things and politicians i'm afraid are the ones at the top that are very readily available to punch up mm. um <laughs> and it, much the same as i am i mean someone should be able to punch up at porridge and i have seen people try it and i just go yeah fair enough um don't let it get to me but i really yeah i got very depressed very well quite i think it's on record quite well that i got very depressed before christmas yeah and i it just wasn't making me happy porridge wasn't making me happy i nearly handed the whole thing in and um i went no this isn't good do what you want to do and if you upset people and lose people that's something because you can fall into that trap on social media of going oh god i'm losing followers because i said this and i thought no all right stuff it fine i only wanted a hundred <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I do. You know what? I can relate to that because I, um, I guess, like with podcast and radio work and everything that I'm currently doing. Yeah. Um, basically, like, let me just go back a little bit. Um, so when we went into lockdown, I honestly thought the uh, the world was going to end. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> sounds ridiculous but i thought the world was going to end and i thought oh my god like um what's what's happening with the whole like covid stuff and whatever and i was just like well if something bad happens like i don't want to go without doing the things that i've always wanted to do but my anxiety and depression you know uh, stopped me in the past so I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to do the things that I want to do and see where it takes me. So I started, you know, got involved in, uh, in radio with Feedback Radio and uh, started doing, you know, uh, doing these shows because I've, I've always loved radio broadcasting. I uh, studied radio bro broadcasting as well and I've always wanted to do it. And radio has always been a passion of mine and music's always been a passion of mine. So I, I just thought, I want to do this. So I'm going to try and see what happens. And luckily it's going, you know, it's going all right. But, you know, with the podcast, I was always putting it off. The past, uh, it took me 18 months to sort of like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And well, here we are now. But Yeah, I know it's it's brilliant thank you for letting me on <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like yeah i was into this i was into a depression that i was like oh i'm just i'm not gonna do it what's the point it was the whole what's the point doing this no one's gonna listen to it no one it's just little me who cares but i guess i'm not gonna i thought to myself i'm not gonna do this for anyone else but me and that's when things changed. When I started doing things for me, then if people are on board, if people like it, great bonus. But if I'm happy doing this, then yeah, then it is working for me at least. You know, happiness is the the only sort of ambition anyone should have in their life. Really, yeah. Be as happy as you can be with what you have. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, you should go out and make a fortune and, and do this and money. And it's not. It's about being happy in yourself and achieving what you want to achieve in the way you want to achieve it. Yeah. And that's taken me 
decades to learn. <laughs> so good on you. A hundred percent. And I think it's just like, I could have, uh, I could just decide, right. Okay. I'm going to use advertising. I'm going to uh, make money from this or do this and that and the other to get money. But that's not my, um, that's not the aim of this. Um, the aim of this is to people that are listening, you know, and it's for them to, oh, think back. And it's like, I'm not the only one that feels depressed, that feels anxious, that has autism, that has uh, bipolar disorder, that has yeah. this, this and that and the other, because this, uh, it could be... Um, when you have a disorder or mental illness, whatever, it can be kind of a solitary world and you feel like you're the worst person in the world and you feel so alone sometimes that I don't want anyone to feel like that because I felt like that so many times and it sucks. It yeah, really does. It does. Um, and I think one of the things that I noticed is that people a lot of people did reach out but only after i sort of made it public whereas mm -hmm. i try and sort of pick up on how people are before yes they crash and then i try and reach out to them and i've done that with a few people and i something i'm actually quite proud of is that people i've never met online will reach out to me via pm and ask mm -hmm. for a chat obviously i'm not going to say who these people are of course um but I never try and solve someone's problems. And that's mm -hmm. the key to helping people with mental health or substance abuse or anything like that. You can't solve their problem. You can only be there as a friend mm -hmm. or just a voice at the end of a phone to say, everything's going to be okay. I'll ring you tomorrow <laughs> and just yeah. do it. I mean, I'm doing it with someone at the moment, um, mm -hmm. checking in on them. Um, and it's all and, you can do. It's, yeah. you can't, if we could solve like everyone's problems, then everything would have been fine and dandy, but we can't. It's just, we have to be there for, for people that don't have anyone to be there for them. Even if it's just like you saying, just a message, how are you doing? And let them rant for a bit. Uh, yeah yeah don't take it personally and mm -hmm. just um it's sort of i get uh, from my own experience and i'm sure you probably experienced it the same is you you say something like oh i'm very depressed at the moment i've got the black dog and someone will message you and go oh i know exactly how you feel mm. and you go no you don't <laughs> it's Do very not unique. me yeah it's very unique to the individual mm -hmm. um so a crash, uh, a crisis within. I mean, I have to give a big shout out to Dewsbury, to be <laughs> fair. I do. Hey, Dews, how you doing? Um, because Dewsbury was chatting on Free Spin Friday about his own mental health struggles and going to the doctor. And if he hadn't sort of encouraged people to go to the doctor, I wouldn't have gone and got help. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, if being all seriousness, I probably wouldn't be here if, that community didn't exist and encourage people to open up about mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm very proud to be a part of that community. Um, and Jews is, has, is just brilliant. And he, he, he will hate this. And I know, I know he'll hate this, 
but even just like the lost in porridge thing that I do gives me something to do. I, I get excited by creating the, the world and the porridge verse and along with Dean, who's my partner in crime. Um, but if it wasn't due to be putting it on, then that, the voice wouldn't have got out there. Yeah, um, just to uh, obviously, you know, uh, just to clarify for the people that don't really oh yeah, uh, listen to Primordial Radio is um, online radio station rocky metal um and it is uh, there's a great community as well Jewsbury is one of the uh, radio presenters and um he's a gentleman that actually talks about uh, about his mental health on air and he really helps other people and i, I guess it, it helps me as well because it's like well if he can be as honest as that on air i can be like that too so i take yeah. a little bit of inspiration you know f from him as well to be as open but i know he sometimes like you know talks too much <laughs> <laughs> well we all do that I, i'm a nightmare oh, yeah. for it i mean I, I i love talking it's my favorite pastime yeah it's, it's shutting me up that's the problem <laughs> um, and I don't know if you're aware between the sort of dichotomy between self-esteem and self-confidence. So you can have a really high self-confidence, like myself, yeah. and then you can have quite a low self-esteem. And they're generally in they're generally generally in fluctuation. So if your self-confidence begins to drop, it's usually because your self-esteem is beginning to rise. It's very rare they're both at bottom. So when you see me being really outrageous, my self-esteem probably isn't that good at that time but if i'm quieter mm. and thoughtful my self-esteem is a lot higher it's a very weird situation i mean you you yourself um i think we met uh sheffield was it oh that was a messy evening that, that was, was a very messy. yes <laughs> yes i was running around was i being porridgey i don't know i was probably being loud so long road to brewing is <laughs> when we all uh we all meet up yeah it's a week-long pub crawl yeah. Yeah, all uh, that listen to the station and are part of what we call the PR fam, so part of the family. Yes, um, I suppose I ought to explain this. Like, so I'm, I do a, a small segment, a very tiny little cog on uh, a rock and metal station online called Primordial Radio, yeah. uh, of which Kat is also a member. And um, we, if we talk, we, so I'm going to talk about two communities. One will be steampunk community and the other one will be the primordial community. Yeah. Uh, and they sometimes it overlap but generally not not so quite. At the moment we're talking about the rock and metal bit i think i don't know who are we <laughs> <laughs> what's going on what's going on what day is it is what that you is, <laughs> is that you um <laughs> I, yes that's the other thing my crazy voices yes um uh, it's always been it's, it's been quite bad because we've had a lot of difficulty in for my for the radio play um yeah getting female artists or just artists who happen to be women i mean i don't like that term female artist you never say male artist do you? um oh, no i guess a female voice yeah I a guess. female voice yeah. yeah um so i've had to <laughs> i've had to do them and it's all very monty python so it's all like oh mrs flotsam how are you all doing? Wonder. <laughs> yeah yeah and the president the president of a space planet at war is like oh mr porridge how are you all today and it's all oh, the dogs are back so if you hear constant barking in a minute that's the problem that's i okay. can yeah yeah oh no it's not trust me it's horrible 
Yeah, it's like you, you. It's like you put them in two Hessian sacks and just let them. I don't drown dogs, by the way. If anyone's thinking, no, 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 just cats. No, I don't do that either. That's Wait, no, no, I love I'm cats. I do. Oh God, this is all going to go downhill, isn't it? Oh, that porridge chap. He's horrible to animals. No, I'm not. I love animals. I do, especially in pie. No, stop it. Bad, bad porridge. So anyway, yes. Oh, <laughs> this is pretty much how my waffly stage show goes. It's just me talking rubbish at people. So yeah. People like it, though, so it's not that rubbish, is it? No, I was a bit shocked by the radio play, Lost in Porridge. It started off as a bit of a joke, and it's just sort of grown. I call it, like, the wrong version of the Arches. And it, it, it was just a, a bit of a joke that's sort of taken off and worked. Oh, hello, Squiddles. How are you? Squiddles is my dog, by the way. Okay. Oh, hello, Pants. How are you? Yes, and Nancy's the other one. So I have Sid and Nancy. They often do heroin together in back rooms. Interesting. Sex Pistols reference? No. Yes, I got that. Oh, good. I'm glad you did, because I don't do that joke again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, life's good. Where were we? I've lost. Tangent. Gone. Poetical Works, Volume 6. Um, that's hi, Cat. <laughs> that's it. Like, uh, I, get, I get quite lost <laughs> as well. I yeah. go off on one about different things. So <laughs> it's like... Oh, I was, yeah, I was yeah. chatting the other day about putting barcodes on wasps. Oh, so, When not? I was at college, we used to catch wasps and put barcodes on them. I don't go anywhere and, near it. <laughs> and the I theory was phobia. that if anyone found one, with a barcode on, they thought it was a government spy drone. Okay. <laughs> That's an odd thing to do. It is. <laughs> yeah. I don't go anywhere near them. Ugh. Oh, no, no. We had to be very careful because they're a bit feisty, I was. But we yeah. had a plan. Yeah. They lived. We used a, we used a wash-off paint. But <laughs> it was just like drawing barcodes on the back of wasps. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I don't go on the radio very often. <laughs> so that's why you only have like <laughs> just a slot. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I get. There's a lot of support actually. Um, there's a lot of support, and a lot of people say, "Oh, get porridge on, get porridge on, get porridge's show." But the reality is, I do not know enough. So I just I, I cock it up, um, which might be funny in amateur hour, but. <laughs> I just don't know enough about it. I'm learning, but I don't know enough. You've got to be realistic, haven't you? It's a first for me. I thought, oh my God, like I've always wanted to do this, but can I do it? You know, I'm just like, mm, all right, can I do it? it? It's just, it's a learning process. You know, it really is. And also it's, I think if you were to do like pre-recorded, if you said something ridiculous, you can always just delete it and re-record it. You know? <laughs> Say something ridiculous. Uh, I think <laughs> when I did an hour show for the BBC, it took us about eight hours to record it. Seriously? I was going to ask you about that. So how, <laughs> how did that happen? Was it like a competition or was it something that you applied to do? No, it was a, it was a competition. Oh, um, okay. And I'd been drinking the night before. Oh. Like, oh, you should go along and do it. So I went along and did it. <laughs> and I got through that round. I think the, the, first, the first section, you had to go on stage and talk for two minutes. Precisely yeah. two minutes. So I talked about creating a cult. 
because yeah i have a cult as well <laughs> they're called the legion of squid um uh it's kind of weird how squid interacts in our lives <laughs> and uh um so i talked about that and then i i think i had five seconds left so i said something and now we're going over to jackie in spalding who's got a cargo cult in a garage and um so i got through that round and then i had to go in and do like a half hour interview <laughs> with one of the presenters and a producer and you're supposed to have a half hour slot, but ours extended a bit because they had to stop recording because the producer was on the floor laughing. <laughs> he couldn't carry on, bless him. Hi, Jono. Um, and so I got through that, and then we had an interview process. I think it was the last eight. And I was very much like, yes, I want to play a monomath on the BBC. And everyone was That's like... That's a bit ambitious. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was very ambitious. I think that's what scared them a bit. Um, so I got down to the last three and had to do a live breakfast show. And I was my normal... So, so they were asking questions like, so how, why were you here? And I was like, well, to be fair, I came in off the street looking for alcohol. And they were like, no, no, you can't say things like that. And uh, we, we did a sort of interview with actually Dean, who helps me write my, uh, write my comedy. And we got him in as the le world's leading expert on Van Kleist. And the, the wind-up went for about 10 minutes until they realised that it was a wind-up. And I don't know if you know this, but you can't mislead your... So we suddenly had to go, oh, by the way, this is a complete wind-up, I'm terribly sorry. So that probably didn't help. But uh, I got to the last three, and I'm immensely proud of that. And uh, 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 Ella got... Ella won, um, me and Katie came second. But then I got offered a chance to do... A steampunk show, uh, a pre-recorded steampunk show on the Bank Holiday Monday, and it was it was just awesome. I got to play all sorts of tracks. I even got some metal on there. Were you scripted? No, I I, I haven't scripted anything in my life. <laughs> Honestly, my preparation for a stand-up show is written on the back of a stamp. Normally, I, I just make it up and go off on a tangent and see where they go. I mean, I, the last show, I, the last sort of gig I did, I was going to talk about um, the uh, the way that drugs are dealt on the, the, in the savannah in Africa. Because right. meerkats are crack dealers. That's, that's how I... But there was this guy in the front row who looked like uh, Prince Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll pick on you. <laughs> um, and he was quite sheepish. And he was with uh, this... Lass, lovely lass, bless her. He was laughing at my jokes, which is always a good thing. Well, that's what you want as a comedian. <laughs> yeah, but I said, how long have you two been together? And they said, oh, well, we're not together. We're just friends. I said, yeah, but you've slept with each other, haven't you? And <laughs> she just, she went bright red. And, and he was like, oh, my God, because he denied it. <laughs> I was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry for putting you in that hole. What I didn't realise was that their friends were at the back and they didn't know. And everyone was like, really? And I was like, oh dear. So yeah, I, I, my, <laughs> my comedy is being completely naive and ignorant and playing on that. So it, it, it works if you've got an audience, which because a lot of people said, oh, why haven't you done online comedy videos and stuff? Because it doesn't really work. I, I guess you you feed off the uh, audience, don't you? And yeah. the, um, 
atmosphere as well, you know. And yeah, I think just doing jokes and then have the canned laughter doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's some really good one one joke uh, comedians out there, and they just do repeat jokes after joke after joke after joke, and they're fantastic. Uh, but it doesn't fit who I am. Yeah, so, if it doesn't work for you, then no. that's it, isn't it? My comedy is absurdist and observational and satire. So I just take the mick out of myself normally for not understanding things. I, mean, I do a joke about suicide. Because years ago, one of my first ever suicide attempts was I tried to gas myself in a caravan. Okay. But it was a hot day, so I left the windows open. <laughs> and it, it's just when you say it, people go, oh my God, you can't talk about suicide like that. And I go, why not? It's, it's what it's happened to me. Um, and I think it's for a really open way. And a lot of people are a bit twitchy about talking about mental health in comedy. So mm. I find it quite cathartic. It's it's kind of nice. So yeah, there you go. That joke didn't work. As long as long as you talk about it, you know, and share your feelings, then if you're not harming anyone, you, we have to be really, really careful about uh, triggers, triggering someone. Yeah. Uh, especially when we're talking about our experiences. Personally. I think my first attempt, I was uh, eight or nine years old. Yeah. Oh, that's young. I was very young. And it's the whole, like, people didn't understand me. And I just, I thought I was the worst person in the world. And I didn't want to be here. Mm. You know, and I basically, um, there was this, there was some building work where I lived and basically it was unattended. So I got up to like the third or fourth floor and I jumped down. Did you bounce? It's surprising how I'm still here. Like, cause well, like, yeah. what happened is just a few, my clothes were all dirty and a few scrapes and that was it. And then I was just like, my mom's like, oh, so what happened to you? I was like, oh, I just fell over. Um, I actually yeah, hide it. about this. Um, yeah, because my my mother is like, oh, he's the kind of person's like, oh, you know, I feel depressed, but I still have to go to work. I still have to do this and that and the other. So I get that, but she doesn't really understand how no. uh, what I went through. And my last, gosh, I have tempted it many, many times. You don't have to talk about this, by the way. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm very, very, very open about this. And I actually yeah. wrote about it. And um, uh, my last attempt was when I, um, it was a few years ago. So uh, maybe six years ago, I, um, I was very, very depressed. And I think I was still... Two years on after my daughter was born, I think I was still suffering with postnatal depression because I didn't, yeah. know, I didn't know what it was. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it took me a long time to, to uh, get a little better. And then um, I had planned this trip. I had this idea in my head that I had this idea that if I was going to do it, I wanted to, to do it back home where I'm from. So I'm from Lisbon, Portugal. So I wanted to go back home and do it there. Mm -hmm. And I had this whole thing planned out and I was gonna, at the time, my husband knows this story. Uh, so at the time I lied to him and I said that I was gonna go and visit a friend. But I had this all planned out. Uh, but I, at the time I was like, ready to go and everything. I didn't take many 
clothes but obviously I, I needed to make it believable but I just thought that my daughter's going to be better with my husband you know he can take care of her he's fine and I'm going to be better off not being here they're going to be happy and all these dark thoughts you know and I've been planning oh, yeah. for a long time and basically I was just having a conversation uh, with my husband uh, before um, took my bags and got a taxi. So we we're just having a conversation and I said to him, I'm a bit late. So, uh, you know, as in like period, you know, I was a bit late. Right. We we're just having a conversation and he's like, oh, a bit late. What's going on? And I was like, oh, I, I should just shrugged it off. He's like, maybe you should do a test. I was like, well, I'm not going to do a test, you know, don't be silly. I'm not like, I'm just late. But he really insisted me doing a test, but I thought that I wasn't pregnant. So he's like, right, I tell you what, I'm going to run down to the shop and I'll get you a pregnancy test. Cause I want to know before you go away. I was like, right. Okay. I didn't think yeah, I'm not pregnant. It's fine. All right. So I did the test just to make him happy, but turns out that I was actually pregnant. Um, turns out that I was pregnant and, uh, I think if I hadn't found out that I was pregnant, I wouldn't have been here now. In a way, my son saved my life. Yeah, fatalism. There's, a, there, there's yeah. always a cosmological reason. So, yeah, that, I had this whole plan, but I still, you know, I still, obviously I had flights and everything. And so I still went back home, but... I went back home with a different mindset. And it's well, like... Well, I, for one, am very glad that <laughs> <laughs> that worked out. But I only told my husband this story five years later. Because I couldn't, I couldn't cope telling him because I, I thought that, oh gosh, like, what is he going to think of me? You know? And I kept this to myself for a very long time. But... Yeah, about a year ago, I, I thought to myself, I, I need to tell him because obviously we there's no no secrets, you know, and I just wanted to be open and honest. And I told him this story and he's like, he couldn't believe it. He was just like, well, you're just going to, you know, leave me with, a, with a, a toddler and stuff like that. It's like I wasn't thinking at the time. I was I was thinking that this is what I need to do and for their benefit, you know, because I felt like I shouldn't be in their lives because I'm the most horrible person in the world. And but finding out that I was pregnant, it, it didn't feel like it was right to, you know, even though we, we'd been trying, we wanted to get pregnant, you know, and it didn't feel like it didn't feel right to punish a child. Do you know what I mean? Like to Yeah, I mean Yeah. I'll never quite be able to understand that on the grounds that neither of us yeah. but um I know what you mean by partners. I think that one of the, the big issues with mental health people forget about the partner in a situation. So one of the things that I noticed uh in one of my suicide efforts was that everyone was like oh if you uh if you need anything get in touch and i was like it's not me now that needs help it's jane my wife mm -hmm. and everyone sort of ignores the partner 
in any sort of situation like this. So um, she's there listening through out behind the door. Hi, sweetie. But yeah, so there's that. And I think if you are in a, in a strong relationship, you can talk to your partner. But I think people forget that it, in any relationship, don't just concentrate on the person who's had the issue. Look after the other person as well, because they might need more support than they're letting on. And I mean, it must be hard work. I don't know, but it must be hard work going out with someone or being married to someone who has mental health problems. Or, or in my case autism and i know autism drives jane up the wall uh, <laughs> mainly because i have crazy ideas like wanting to start an african fish farm um which is a famous one and uh, <laughs> i know i'm not allowed an african fish farm i'm very disappointed but yeah and the pressure of you being unwell can then add to their pressure and then you end up in a sort of situation where if you don't talk and you're not open and you're not honest you end up resenting each other because I've tangent off here. <laughs> what I'm saying is, hey kids, if you if you get into a relationship and you feel a bit off, talk to them honestly about how you feel and don't bottle it all up. Essence <laughs> yeah. porridge. Absolutely. I guess, you know, it is when you, you know, when you marry someone as well, it's like it's, it is for sickness and in health. You know, and it's not just—it's not just the marriage part. It's when the partnership, isn't it? Like yeah, you don't yeah. have to. Yeah, you don't have to be married to you know support one another. But it's um, the reason why I kept that a secret is because I felt somewhat ashamed of thinking like that because I think I didn't really understand why I felt the way I felt. It took me a long time to understand depression, to understand anxiety and autism as well. Um, and I will get to that, uh, to that in a bit. It's just, yeah, understanding why I felt the way I felt and working with it rather than against it. Yeah. I mean, uh, accept, one of the things that I really struggled with was accepting that I actually had a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's quite a common thing, especially in chaps, I have to say. But I imagine it's probably similar everywhere. But there's an attitude that still permeates our society where a man, especially talking about mental health, is seen as weak or mm. invalid. And society's still got a long way to go in things. I mean, one of the things that used to get me depressed, it's not so bad now, but I don't work apart from doing my stand up. Mm -hmm. um, I have enough medical issues that mm -hmm. I granted PIP. And uh, I mean, there's head injuries and all sorts of stuff in there, but that's a story for another day. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't earn as much as my wife. And even in 2020, there is still a taboo about if your wife is the main breadwinner. Right. Um, and so people will say to me, oh, you're a kept man. No, I'm not. I'm not a kept man. I don't want to be kept. It's a partnership. I do what I can behind the scenes for Jane, and she enjoys her work. Um, I mean, she might mind me saying that she's a bit of a workaholic. But <laughs> I also, you know, we chat a lot about her work and how she's feeling, and I do my best to provide support. 
I'm just not very good at it, but I do be best. It's always good to be best at things. So it works really well. And I'm, I'm very happy that I have a partner that I can open up to and talk about. Because in the past, I've had partners that I haven't been able to talk about things with. Same here. Yeah. yeah. And it makes a difference, doesn't it? It really does, yeah, because I, like my husband, we've been together for nearly 12 years now and uh, been married for five years and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, how can I explain, is the, the person that even, I can tell him anything and even if I don't make sense, he knows exactly what I mean. Mm. I think in my case, Jane would prefer I just didn't tell her anything because uh, I never make sense. uh, (laughs) And I think autism comes into play as well because I I always knew that there was something different about me. Um, I'm going through the uh, assessment process at the moment. Oh, right. Um, So you're suspected. (laughs) Yeah, but I've always been suspected. That's the thing. Um, I remember when I was a kid, the, basically, I think my mom, um, took me to the doctor or whatever. And they said, oh, there might be, uh, autism or whatever, but my mom didn't really believe that kind of thing. So it is basically, I was just a little shit, you know what I mean? It was my behavior rather than being, uh, having autistic traits or whatever, you know, what I mean by autistic traits, I mean the uh, meltdowns, you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, the meltdowns. Oh, I still have like meltdowns. But, you know, since my, uh, since my son got diagnosed with autism uh, when he was two, but my son is a little bit, di- a bit different. My right. son, he's nonverbal. Uh, okay, so he's more sort autistic. of uh, true autism, as they would say. So there's, there's like a bell curve. One end is the high functioners. The other end is the low functioners and everyone else is in the middle because everyone has autistic traits. Do you reckon? Yeah. So everyone has one or two autistic traits, but right. over the spread is when those autistic traits affect your well-being. Right. That's the way I look at it. Mm. So you might have someone, I mean, I suffer from something called synthesisia where I can see smells, which is a bit weird, mm. <laughs> and occasionally get flashes of light when I say certain words. Okay. Um, that's just one example. That's not a trait particularly. I mean, I struggle with something called face blindness, so I can't always tell whether someone's smiling at me or angry. Um, I tend to say what I think without considering the other person's feelings. Yeah. got me into trouble a few times. Um and it's all that sort of, uh, what else do I, what else do I struggle with? Um, I can't process sound. So yeah. all sound and sense that goes into my head is given equal priority. Mm. And so I can be very distracted. So I've had to prep for this for like two days. Of course. It's in my mind with yeah. working out what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, and so if I, I mean, right now, I can actually hear my dog make it breathing below. Jane is making a sandwich with two slow, two slices of bread because I can hear her crinkling the, the bread bag, mm-hmm. okay, boiling the kettle. Yeah. There's a bird outside the window and they all are given equal priority. So I have to 
focus and concentrate really hard on mm-hmm. talking to you. Yeah, of course. Um, and that can be quite mentally exhausting. Oh, God, yeah. And then if you say people, like, I have been in Lincolnshire most of my life. Yeah. People say, oh, she goes to the London Comedy Circuit and stuff like that. That would take me about a month of prep, a breakdown of the, the, the club I was going into, access and egress routes, um, distance from stage to audience. I have to prep in my mind things that other people just walk on and do, which is why I prefer the higher stage than I do a coffee house. Yeah. And I thought it was just me that did that. No, no. It's it's pretty common in autism. Oh, okay. I mean, people I say, oh. Me. Yeah, people go, oh, you can't be sociable if you're autistic. Oh, I'm immensely sociable. Yeah. The issue is that I'm over-friendly to people that I don't know. So I can just chat away to people. Not over-friendly in a Jimmy Savile sort of way, but... <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that, yeah. Over-friendly, well, I will just chat to anyone. But I also treat them as though they're a lifelong friend. So I say things, having never met people, which are quite inappropriate. I can dominate conversation as well, which is something you probably noticed, which is a very autistic trait. Um, so I have all these little traits, and there's probably... Well, we know there's ADHD slapped on top of that as well so i'm doing really well actually <laughs> nearly and there's also something i've got frontal lobe damage from a head injury yeah so i have no concept of danger particularly okay which has put me in situations so you know i call people out if they're racist even if they're a big psychopathic nutter or um i mean there was a famous one where jane was really worried about me where i'm i it's not bigging myself up or anything like that, but I, I prevented a lass getting raped near our old house. And the guy who was doing it was huge. And loads of people were looking out the window. And it, it really irritated me that people would look out the window, but they weren't doing anything. And I went, oh, out, yeah, that would get on one scrawny little me and just went, well, what are you doing? Yeah. The so, and just, um, and people go, oh, that was brave. It wasn't brave. It, to me, it was just something that needed doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I, uh, like growing up, it's like if my, um, I don't know, one of my friends or even not even a friend, if someone was like getting beaten up or whatever, or I don't know, being mugged, I'd get in there, be like, leave, you know, leave him, leave her, mm. leave him alone. I was scorning at school and I used you to. No, leave him alone and whatever. But my mother was always like, oh, you know, if you see stuff like that, just leave it. I'm like, well, I can't because. I can't deal with um, with injustice and unfairness. Like, you know. That is a particularly aspy trait. I have yeah. to be. So you will have, um, one of the issues that I struggle with is I have a very stringent moral code. But that moral code may not necessarily follow the legal process. Right. Okay. Okay, so yeah. I, I get torn up with a lot of things where my fight or flight response yeah. is very much loads of adrenaline and vump, and I call it Terminator mode because I literally, and I, one of the bizarre things that I do is if someone attempts to uh, be aggressive towards me is I can often start crying and people go, Oh, well, he's crying. He's you know, wimpy, stuff like that. Um, it's a release. And my friends, have release, known, yeah. my friends know that if I start crying, it's an aggressive situation. Yeah. Just to step back about 20 yards because 
I'll just go into Terminator mode. And uh, I'm, I can take... God, this sounds bad. It's all very masculine, this, isn't it? But I've been punched for saying the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. Mm. Or looked at a situation and gone, nah, this needs dealing with. Yeah. Throwing myself in between one person and another. And a lot of time it works out, and a lot of time it explains why my face looks like it's been put through a blender. But... um. So that's a very aspy trait because you don't recognize the signals that you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation. So you can also be very vulnerable to manipulation. Um, so I've had that in the past. Um, that's, yeah, it's one of the things that uh, my daughter is going through the uh, process, you know, assessment. Yeah. Uh, for children, it takes a very long time and we've been waiting for over two years now. Um, but I definitely think she's, uh, she's high functioning uh, because of uh, so many traits. And she, basically, she is the way I was. So she is a mini me. She looks like me and she <laughs> physically and uh, mentally and all this stuff. And if she sees like one of her friends being picked on or whatever, she'll go there. She wouldn't even think like twice mm. about it. And I, well, as a kid, I used to get in trouble a lot because I saw one of the kids getting beaten up and whatever I would, I don't know. I would just separate them and be like, get out, you know, what are you doing? And picking someone your own size and, or probably, yeah, I've punched. See, bizarrely, as a kid, I was the opposite. So I used to be quite scrawny and would hide and disappear and quite a loner. And it was only after I went to college. <laughs> no, I did uh, conservation at college. It was a great time. And, but, a lot of chainsawing and a lot of lifting logs and I suddenly <laughs> trebled in size <laughs> and suddenly I realized well, I mean people say I'm intimidating and I don't feel like I'm an intimidating person but apparently my eyes switch and everything like that and I don't I I don't know use a platform for the good of betterment of people be good to good people is my general motto in life um, yeah, I didn't have many friends growing up anyway. So I guess the ones that I had, I would always protect them, you know, and make sure they didn't get hurt. And I always expected people to do the same for me, even though that didn't quite happen. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, it's good to have friends around you as well. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being bullshit either. Mm. Um, people say, oh, you're shouting at me. And I say, oh, no, this isn't me shouting. I can shout at you, but if this is me being assertive, understand yeah. the difference between the two. I am uh, a loud person anyway. So yeah, I yeah. think that's the thing as well amongst uh, Aspies as well, that they can be quite loud and they can't change the tone of their voice very well. That's something I had to learn. Yeah. I always thought because I've got tinnitus. So I always thought it was just like, because of the constant, like ringing in my ears so I thought that's why I was loud because to me right now it's the, the I'm being a little quiet which I'm not <laughs> but yeah just it's like both of us I'm being quite quiet as well <laughs> um I had a shouting contest with Brian Blessed <laughs> which was kind of epic 
there's a video somewhere of me going gordon's alive but it's really i'm i'm, I'm well known for being quite loud um yeah and i have to check it um yeah i'll have, I'll have a look yeah oh it's probably on my facebook somewhere I'll or, have my a look. Old, or my old profile I'll, I'll i'll find it and send it to you yeah <laughs> or the porridge page that'd be quite oh, yes. interesting if you like my if you like what i say um i have a a page called Dr. Cornelius Porridge. I'd love you to come along and join me for really bad memes that I stole off funnier people. Um, <laughs> yes, and my general waffle. But I mean, if you, the autism diagnosis, I think people get it wrong as well as they think that you just sort mm. of go to the GP and they go, oh, you're autistic. There's a, it's quite, a, it was, well, it was for me and I got diagnosed late. It's quite a traumatic six months where you're getting tested and, doing all sorts of weird things with psychotherapists and all oh no, one uh, neuropsychologist I have. Yeah. And you had to draw, um, how would you mow this field? And I did it in diagonals. <laughs> and they were like, but it will take longer. And I was like, yes, but I can listen to the cricket for longer. <laughs> so, and they were like, but that's not, that's not, that doesn't make sense. I was like, it does to me. And that, that's the, that's the important part. Yeah. So when I do you guess, think you'll get your diagnosis? I mean, oh, is it's so hard like obviously with my son getting diagnosed at two because he just didn't speak and mm. he's six now and he's still in nappies and he's got the mentality of uh, a one-year-old you know and mm. no sense of danger and yeah so he's severely autistic you know yeah. um he can't do anything for himself he goes to a specialist school, which they've been really, really good with him. So that is good. But I, in a way, like I didn't know anything about autism bef- prior to him getting a diagnosis. Yeah, I don't worry, neither did I. <laughs> yeah, prior to him having a diagnosis. And then he was like, what, what's autism? What was this all about? And then my daughter's behavior as well. And then my son's behavior, he made so much sense it clicked do you know what i mean it's like oh i'm like that oh i'm like that and i was just like at first i thought it was like my behavior influencing their behavior but then uh, my daughter having a um, seen like an educational psychologist and all this stuff then it just made sense it doesn't clicked straight away and i've just been researching more and more about it and i've been more um I don't know, acceptant of it, and it just makes sense. And yeah. it's not a bad thing, is it? No, um, I, I will give you a piece of advice, which is don't go too far down the rabbit hole. Mm. Because it's very easy. And I got diagnosed in 2001, so what, 23 years ago. Mm. And there is a... Oh, I'm doing this because I'm autistic. And you could just be that you're doing it because that's the sort of person you are. And you have to uh, be very cautious because there's a lot of information out there and stay away like the plague. (laughs) This is just my stay away from the plague by well-meaning but ill-prepared groups Mm. who live in a closed echo chamber. It is just a pet hate of mine where people go, oh, I work with autistic children, therefore I'm an expert. And I sort of sit there and go, no, no, you're really not. The only person who are, the only people who are experts on it are people who have it. Okay. 
even the experts don't know about it. Um, I think, yeah, and then people that live with other people that do have it, you know, and yeah, uh, it, yeah it's, I think the reason why I wanted to uh, get diagnosed or um, go through the assessment is just so that I can understand my behavior. I can understand a bit more. I can understand why I am the way I am. And if I can like, oh, it's this or that and the other, it makes me feel better. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's good, but I, I, it's just a word of caution. Um, actually, one of the best people to look into uh, for academia is a chap called Professor Baron Cohen. I think he's at Cambridge still, and he's a bit of an expert. He's Sasha Baron Cohen's cousin. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's, he is or was the country's uh, expertise, expert in autism years i had a pleasure of meeting him a few times um they're really good and i think it might be tony atwood hang on uh, who's also an expert uh he he writes he's i think he's autistic but he writes him and his wife write books on what it's like living with autism mm -hmm. from both sides so that's always a good one I mean, I generally stay well clear of anything on social media involving autism. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess f for me uh, as a parent, uh, there are groups out there that are useful, you know, yeah. um, that are useful. I am part of a couple as well, um, like parenting uh, groups, but it's more like support rather than judging each other, you know. Yeah, because it's a difficult one I didn't know that I could apply for financial help for my son. Did and you know? I, I didn't know. And well, I only found out through a group, you know, and yeah. now my son has all the help that he, he, that he needs, that he requires. Yeah. I mean, I, as, as I said, I, I receive a pip because I struggle with things like setting the kitchen on fire. And, yeah. Uh, you, um, your hazard yeah. whether <laughs> I like to admit it or not if I was left on my own things would blow up um, and Jane keeps an eye on me a lot of the time um, mm -hmm. without me really realising it and when I was on my own I, I did struggle with many different issues in life and so I've had to go through the PIP process which I wouldn't recommend for anyone because it's horrific it's there now it's done and thankfully it's out of the way um but i mean i i guess i mean i get people who turn around to me and say oh well you don't look autistic and i go well you don't look intelligent do you so we're here what does what does autism look like oh god knows but exactly. people have this idea in their head i mean i did a radio interview uh many years ago for a local radio station i won't mention who and the presenter was quite patronizing and quite mm. difficult because I was trying to explain the situation. And he was very much like, well, can you count cards then? I was like, do you think if I could count cards, okay, and win loads of money in casinos, I would be sat here explaining to you why autism in employment is not working? Mm. Um, because I would be making millions playing poker, wouldn't I? Or blackjack. Yeah, of course. I just thought, 
and for many years, I mean, we're talking 23 years ago, so 2001, Asperger's was still not really heard of. It was That's a very true, new yeah. thing. And the only idea that people had of autism was Rain Man. Mm. And that that's where the idea of what autism looks like is Rain Man. Mm. Um, and no one had no one ever looked into it. I mean, people don't like Asperger's anymore, but I think they prefer a high functioning autism or a high functioner. The problem with autism is is it's one of those conditions that um, I mean, I appreciate your honesty where you've said, "Oh, I'm go- I'm going through the statementing process at the moment." But it's, one of, it's also one of those conditions where people go, oh, I'm autistic. And you can go, well, are you doing anything about it? Have you got a diagnosis? And they go, oh, no, I just know. And you're going, if you tell people you're autistic and you're not doing anything to go and get a formal diagnosis, you are not helping autistic people. Why is that? Because just saying I'm autistic is a get out, isn't it? Mm. If you go, you're getting statemented. So this isn't a criticism towards you. Of course. Um, but I know quite a few people who go, oh, yes. And I'll say something like, oh, I've got uh, high-functioning autism. And they, and they go, oh, yes, so have I. And I go, oh, excellent. How long did your statementing take? Uh, how, what was the psychiatrist? Oh, well, I haven't done all that yet. Like, how do you know? But how do you know? You it's don't like know. you can't, you know, you can't just yeah. be like, oh, I've got, I don't know. What if it was a f- physical illness? You can't be like, yeah. yeah. It's, one of those, it's one of those ones where it can't be proved by anyone else that baffles me a little bit when people people like to wear it on their sleeve as a badge i prefer to just accept it as a condition that i have um yeah i when it comes to acceptance um i have a low loads of other issues as well you know um i've got well loads of mental health issues but also Mm. physical yeah physical um difficulties uh i got diagnosed with gosh lots of different things but mainly i got diagnosed with uh, fibromyalgia which is you know widespread pain uh five years ago um yeah so five years ago yeah about about five years ago now and um basically just one just before christmas to yeah 2015 i um well, my husband thought I was having a stroke. Oh. And yeah, basically I was just like uh, frozen almost. I sat down, I couldn't speak, uh, I couldn't move. And I was having a horrendous uh, migraine. Right. They didn't know what was going on. And uh, so got ambulance and whatever and got there. And basically they did all the tests and um it wasn't the stroke so i had migraines with stroke-like symptoms which i didn't know it was a thing oh yeah (laughs) yeah and uh, basically they drained fluid from my spine um because they suspected that i had meningitis you had a lumbar puncture then those are horrible um (laughs) those are absolutely awful and i've had to have many many done through um through the years unfortunately but um so yeah then um being in hospital for about a week and i got diagnosed with uh, a condition called idiopathic intracranial hypertension which is when you've got you know uh too much fluid in your skull and then therefore you get 
uh, migraines. Yeah, 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 a lot of pressure and stuff. Uh, but also, I had a lot of body pain, and then the uh, yeah, they've diagnosed me with fibromyalgia as well. Yeah, but uh, it was it was tough accepting like sort of like I always worked all my life, okay, but my life went in, into standstill in uh, 2015 when I got home from work and I was feeling very unwell. And then next day I was like, oh, I can't, like, I'm still feeling really unwell. So I rang in sick. And then that evening is when everything happened, you know, everything happened and stuff. And uh, going to to the hospital, to your doctor, say to my doctor saying like, right, you cannot go back to work because if you have something as bad as this, it can affect you and in a really bad way. So I was like, oh, okay, I can't just stop going to work. Uh, and they were saying they're just looking at like a screen, like eight hours a day. It didn't help with the migraines. So I'm mm-hmm. like, right, okay. But then I got home from hospital two days later, I was back at work. So I started feeling really, really ill again. And I thought I have to, to get a sick now. So I got a sick now, but I had to come like January, uh, January, 2016. I had to quit my job because I was still very unwell. Uh, but going from providing for my family, because I was the main uh, provider for the family um, to not providing, to not having, you know, that income, it was very difficult, especially I was used to my routine, you know, and disruption mm. of routine is something that is very, you know, uh, affects me greatly. Yeah. Breaking routine um, is a, a very common trait. So, like, you plan ahead for what you're going to do. Oh, God, yeah. Advance, and then if it's suddenly cancelled, you're like, ah. Oh, um, yeah. But then <laughs> some people don't understand how um, how that affects autistic people uh because it's like oh it gets cancelled right okay i'll just go do something else or you know like a gig or whatever and then if it gets cancelled the people just like oh whatever okay i'm just gonna do something else but for me it's like oh my god i had all these plans yeah i have to get the train at this time or go to this place at this time all this stuff i feel really bad it really yeah um and yeah i know exactly what you mean Uh, i mean i when i was i used to i haven't worked all my life i've worked intermittently doing different jobs throughout Mm -hmm. my life um so i've had an income and there's been years where i haven't been able to work yeah um mainly through social things rather than anything else but so when i was valid though it's still valid yeah when i was a trainer and I used to train first aid and health and safety and food hygiene and, and stuff like that. Um, a job I was really good at and I really enjoyed, but it became too stressful. So I would have to set off, plan the journey. So I'd sit in the car at night, get the sat nav out, work out how long it would take me. It would always happen at six o'clock as well. So I'd get in the car, put the sat nav on six, type in where I was my destination. It would say hour 17 minutes, add 30 minutes so that I arrived there in time. And then if I got stuck in traffic and I was going to be late, I would just melt down. I couldn't deal with it. So 
they say things like, oh, well, you should give yourself extra time. Well, if you're giving yourself extra time and there's still an unpredictable event, and predictability is um, something that I really enjoy and I like planning and I sort of, I always say it's like seeing the world in front of you. I analyse things in a way which I don't think people will ever get, but I can see how behaviours of one group will affect another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see what's going to happen. The car crash is going to happen before it happens a lot of the time. Which uh, So if I suddenly get a change in the in the in the in the situation it can really bugger things up and i understand yeah i understand that more now because of my kids yeah no because before i was just like oh okay they they do this thing that i do what's going on here i thought uh, before i thought it was just me being weird you know i thought it was just a weird thing to do i'll be Uh, honest when uh, when i met you in sheffield i sort of went uh i think i said to james who I was with, I went, oh, that's Kat. I think she's autistic. <laughs> and you can generally tell other autistics. It's like a, it's like gaydar for autism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Um, and you can, you can sort of uh, check. So I, I'm glad that you're, you're going through the process um, of a diagnosis because the diagnosis is great once you've got it, but it, as many doors as it, opens it also closes a lot of others and it becomes sometimes it can get a bit overwhelming so just be wary of that yeah i am uh, that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> now give me a ring if you if you need anything just <laughs> get in touch and we'll, we'll waffle on about stuff i always say i've got uh, i'm level 23 autistic now a chaotic good ranger which i'm not i'm probably a chaotic but i guess ranger. like if i if i wasn't the if I wasn't the way I am, then I wouldn't have, I don't know, I wouldn't have achieved so much in my life. Yeah. Yes. And you won't be you. Um, no. And, uh, people trying to cure autism is one of my, oh, I get so angry with them because it, it's such a unique part of my individuality. Yes. Why would I want to cure it? Because if it's I part cured, of who I am. It wouldn't be me anymore. Yeah. It's a part of who I am and I, uh, spe- <laughs> You know, like I, um, I stim quite a lot. So <laughs> stimming, I do it quite a lot. And mine is this, right? Oh, right. I do that generally. Yeah, What's it's this like? and biting my fingers or oh, like this, like I stim quite a lot. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it's just a response, you know, like to right now, I don't feel overwhelmed or anything. I'm enjoying my time. And then it's just like, I'm happy. And it's like, I'm stimming. <laughs> and yeah, um, like that, like when growing up, people didn't understand like, oh. I do that with my hoodie zip if I'm really nervous. So yeah. I, but I'm just rubbing my chest for trying to visualize this. Imagine a hoodie zip and the man frantically rubbing yeah, it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I realized this sounds far worse than it should. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's one of, I tap, I tap as well. So I, I jiggle my legs. Yeah. Yeah, I hope, I hope we've talked about good things and I haven't said anything too offensive. Apart no. from putting dogs and cats in bags, which I don't do, by the way, lovely people. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. 
no one's going to accuse you of anything. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you're listening to Dr. Poage on the Mental Health Hour. <laughs> oh, Is your mental health better now? <laughs> don't say Mine isn't. <laughs> we don't want to know. Welcome to the laboratory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Grabbing no, it's been absolutely this. lovely. I've loved it. Thank you very much. And if you do need anything, you want to vent about autism yeah. or anything, just let me know and I will quite happily talk through everything. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have you back on again. Oh, God help us. Hello. Sorry, dear listener. That would be interesting. We'll work on that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much to AD for being a guest here at Grappa Cupper, and he shall be back uh, quite soon, actually, so stay tuned. Right, uh, next series of Grappa Cupper podcast is going to be about parents, carers, guardians of children and young people who have complex needs also autism and anything else in between to be fair so we will be talking to a few friends of mine uh we're going to be talking to a lady called zowie we're going to be talking to a lady called sierra we're going to be talking with a lady called joe and these episodes will be released very very soon however if you can relate to any of these these topics that i've just said uh, email me at higher that's h i y a at grabacupper.co.uk if you would like to participate uh also if you been affected by any of the issues that we spoke about this week uh, with AD there there are resources available on our website go check it out it is grabcupper.co.uk do not suffer alone thank you for listening have a great week and take care of yourself and one another (laughs) 